Tired of dealing with the same old league update issues? Switch to the fantasy site built for commissioners by commissioners. Flea Flicker offers email and live drafts, fast live scoring, an easy-to-use interface, year-round access, powerful commissioner tools, and Dynasty features brand-new taxi squads and mobile apps. If you love customization, there are 125 scoring categories and 12 NFL positions, including even punters. And try out the new ESPN League import tool and port over your rosters and history with one easy click. Flea Flicker has partnered with the top names in the industry, including Fantasy Pros, to provide reliable rankings, news, and projections. Best of all, Flea Flicker is 100% free. Go to fleaflicker.com slash pros today and discover why thousands of leagues have switched over this season. That's F-L-E-A flicker.com slash pros. everyone, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester with Mike Tagliere as always. Actually, I'm going to miss tomorrow's podcast. I'm traveling for a wedding this weekend. Tags, I think that means we'll have to make this one super good. It Well, I mean, we better. I, <laughs> missing you tomorrow, you just know it's going to be filled with me and Greg just like ragging on you, right? Like that's going to happen. That's fine. I'm going on Greg's podcast tonight, actually. Same. You and I are actually going to be on the same episode. Really? I didn't know that, man. I, maybe it was a surprise. No, he's doing like this two-a-day thing where, you know, like he's having his both on. So that'll be fun. I'm sure he's going to ask us about each other and, you know, we'll go from there. <laughs> so I think it should be really easy to have a super good podcast today because we're joined by Andy Holloway of the Fantasy Footballers podcast. You can find him on Twitter at his name, Andy Holloway. I'm at Bobby Fantasy Pro and Tags is at Mike Taglier NFL. Andy, thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here, guys. I'm excited. Let's talk. <laughs> so we got in uh, an email in the listener mailbag from Jonathan yesterday saying that although Brady finished the fantasy season poorly, he was tremendous during the playoffs because he finally got, uh, you know, he was finally able to rest that Achilles that put him on the injury list. Take it or leave it. I'm buying this one, Andy. I think that's a great point. <laughs> Take it or leave it. You know, I don't know. I Brady's burnt people for a couple years in a row at the end of the season, but um no, he's great. I mean, I, I that can kind of scar you towards the end of the season. So I think he's um, he's probably a value in drafts. I took him in a in a mock, which is a, a strange thing for me to to draft a quarterback that early. But I took him in a mock. I believe I was drafting uh, at the turn, and I took him somewhere around the sixth round uh, because I knew I was going to have to wait a couple rounds, and he he seemed like a value to me. Kegs, what do you think, man? Because we were both talking about how Brady was risky. And when he, when Jonathan mentioned this, I was like, man, he was really good in the playoffs. Like maybe it just was that. And I'm, you know, freaking out about nothing. Are, are you worried about Brady still, or does that make sense to you? Oh, no, no. Like someone actually mentioned this too. It wasn't just mailbag. I actually had a few people tweet that to me. And uh, I said, guys, if it's really an Achilles injury, it takes more longer than a week off for him to heal. So don't tell me that one week off was a t enough time for someone to heal from Achilles. I don't heal a bruise, like legitimately a bruise on my arm doesn't heal in a week. So I don't, I'm not buying that. I think that Tom Brady... Mobility is not a big part of Brady's game. Yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> it's definitely not. The, the offensive line is obviously worse, losing Nate Solder. I know they, they drafted Isaiah Wynn, but that's that's a big loss for them. Uh, Brady last year, even last year, looking at it, you know, we've talked about the boom bust and everything in between series. Brady was a QB1 just 50% of the time. When you're spending a top 50 pick, is what, that's what it takes to get Brady. 
you're doing that to get a quarterback who's half the time. I mean, he busted in a quarter of his games. That means he scored f- less than 14 points. You can't have that out of a quarterback that you're drafting with a top 50 pick. So I'm out on Brady. Like I'm, I won't own him on any fantasy teams. If you want to take him in some best ball, I guess that's fine. But I'm worried about his lack of receiving talent too. Do you take away Brandon Cooks? Again, you take away Solder. Are you legally allowed to worry about Brady? Is that permitted in this culture? I mean, <laughs> is question. that allowed? I mean, he he did lead the league, right, in passing yardage and t- uh, you know Brady did have the most uh, passing yardage. But hey, I'm all I am worried about my grandfather as well. So I guess we can compare <laughs> the two. So I mean, I have concerns for 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 people that I care about deeply, and I obviously care about Tom Brady and his well being. Uh, he needs to retire <laughs> so we can have, see somebody else win some Super Bowls. But it's just a strange thing because you know that I mean that it happened to Peyton Manning too I mean it it will happen but it's difficult to just uh, you know is this the year where the you know there's such turnover at the receiving position but you have Rob Gronkowski established there you have uh, comfort in you know James White and company and Brady just figures things out so um, I hear you it's all about value right no matter who it is so uh, if you want to be out on him that's fine I'd rather draft Cam Newton at his current ADP than I would Tom Brady that's for sure yeah, I, th- I think I'm with you. I mean, Cam Newton, he's going to have some really big weeks and he's going to have some bummers too. But yeah, I think I think Newton probably finishes the season higher. At least that's the way I have my rankings. Uh, here's what we have planned today, guys. We've each got one or two rookies that will be fading this season um, that we think that you should be avoiding. Then we each have a handful of players that we believe you will regret drafting at their value. Of course, you know, obviously like uh, I'm not very high on Alvin Kamara, but I would draft him if he was there with the 12th pick, right? Like, I'm not actually avoiding him. You're not going to regret drafting Kamara on your team. But if you draft him 7th overall, yeah, I think that you will. So um, before we do that, I wanted to remind you all, we have something that is going to give you a huge leg up this season. It's a tool on our website. It's called Draft Assistant. If you go to the homepage, you'll see it on the left-hand side of your screen. And the way that it works is you upload your league, which takes like two seconds. It's going to update your draft as it takes place. That way you can use all the tools on DraftWizard with pick recommendations, pick predictor percentages, value-based drafting numbers, and so forth. I've explained it this way before. It's really like having a handful of experts sit around a table with you to help you draft. Some leagues have even outlawed it uh, because it's so good. So uh, just take a look if you haven't already. Like, I'm not trying to sell anything or whatever. It's just this is going to help you win your league. The draft assistant tool, I think it's the best thing we have on our site, right, Tags? Yeah, most people don't realize that it can sync with your actual league. So if you're doing a live draft on Yahoo or ESPN, you can sync and it has the, the player suggestions. And it tells you the percentage of experts that are telling you to draft a certain player. So it essentially is that. Now, granted, you don't have to always take their advice. You could draft whoever you want. You In the end, you want to be happy with your team. But it's always nice to have those, those uh, you know, the 80 guys alongside of you drafting with you, the guys that do this for a living. All right, guys, let's talk about some rookies to avoid. Tags, I'll let you go first here. Who's one rookie that you're trying to uh, avoid at his current ADP? Well, it's slowly starting to fall, and rightfully so, and that's Rashad Penny. Uh, I'm actually a big fan of drafting rookie running backs, not in just Dynasty, obviously, but I'm talking about redraft. And Rashad Penny is someone who is going more expensive than a lot of the other rookie running backs, and I never understood why. Uh, he's still playing for a, behind a bad offensive line. I know they added Dwayne Brown last season in a trade with the Texans, but that was more of a move in order to, you know, obviously he helps in the run at left tackle, but he's more of like a pass blocker and he's going to help Russell Wilson achieve new heights. The issue is that we've heard now two beat writers say that he's not the starter, that Chris Carson's the starter, that he's going to be mixed in. Uh, and then Dan Grezzanato, I think is how you pronounce it, from ESPN, he released an article earlier today saying that he went and visited all these training camps, and he actually agrees. He said, you walk in there and you know Chris Carson's the RB1. 
He says that Rashad Penny will still have value because he's going to be in somewhat of a timeshare. But drafting him playing behind a bad offensive line for a bad offensive coordinator, I have no idea why people are drafting him as the number 22 running back. Plus, they're saying pro size is the third down back. So where does he really fit in? I don't know, man. Like, I, I feel like he's being overdrafted. <laughs> I'm not saying the talent's not there with Penny, but the situation that he fell into is just not very good. Yeah, like what's the difference between him and Nick Chubb right now? I don't see any. Rashad Penny, I'll jump in real quick because I should. we should have compared notes because he would have been one of the names that I uh, – I've been talking about him a lot this offseason and how I'm hesitant about Rashad Penny. The talent is there. You're right about that. I will say this. This is kind of funny because Mike uh, from our show and I were going back and forth last night because I was sharing some of the more recent articles about Chris Carson. And uh, I think Mike is a, a bit more of a Penny truther this year than than I am. And uh, he shared this one from August 10th, 2017. Let me read this to you. Pete Carroll says, Running back Thomas Rawls is, quote, back to the form of years past. And then he shared another article with me about all of the great impact that uh, Eddie Lacy was going to make in that backfield. And so he was, he's kind of making the point that, look, this is the Pete Carroll uh, refrain from each and every offseason, talking about Chris Carson being the star of camp. And I think Mike's position is that, look, Rashad Penny, look, the cream rises to the top, right? And if the average draft position drops to a certain point, Maybe that starts to overcome the concerns about the offensive line. Maybe that overcomes the concerns about, you know, that I have about the passing dependency of this team with the fading defense and the game scripts potentially being problematic. But that's going to be one of those things that, and we see it every year, that happens over the second half of the season to me. So you're probably grabbing Penny, even if he is a good ADP value, and you're probably holding him until you get you know, everything you want from Rashad Penny. But if you believe in the talent, it should overcome Chris Carson by year's end. I tend to think he's a player to avoid because I, I don't really want to have to stash him on my bench and hope that that offensive line is better than we expect. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely understand that. Like going into the draft, Rashad Penny was my RB2. And this is when we expected him to be drafted in the third round. I love the guy's talent. The situation is not good. What's going on right now? I don't really know what to read into this, but... You know, when you have question marks like this, I don't think you take him at RB22. There's just better options. You know, I'm looking at all the other running backs. I'd rather have Royce Freeman. I'd rather have Ronald Jones. Uh, I I don't know if I'd rather have Sony Michelle at this point. It's really close. I think probably. I think I would still rather have Sony Michelle. Tags, I know you were really big on Sony Michelle, but with the injury now, which of these two would you rather have? I'd rather have Michelle. Uh, I, I know that I know the risk with Michelle and I'm fine with that. You know, there's there's conflicting reports on him in, in regards to, you know, is it going to be out all throughout the preseason? Is it going to be a 10 day thing? Because they're saying it's 10 days, some people, and that he's going to be back for the, the you know, the second half of preseason. And if that's the case, then it's going to be fine. Uh, again, I'm, I'm shooting for the upside with him. Like if you get to that point in the draft, which player presents RB1 upside? Michelle, no, no, no doubt. Yeah, I don't think it's Penny. So it's like, and it all it's all relative to value right Michelle is dropping now to like that RB 30 range in a draft yesterday I, I kind of laughed at Jake Seeley uh, our friend of the show that he drafted Isaiah Crowell over Sony Michelle and I was I, I mean I laughed all the way to the bank and I, I took Michelle um, but what I'm saying is just like he's falling so far in drafts you know the risk you're taking you know the upside you're getting whereas with Penny he's the RB 22 in consensus ADP right now so you're paying for essentially what he's supposed to do as the starter so I'm not yeah it's all it all comes down to cost and I would much rather have Sony Michelle at his current cost I can't believe Jake did that uh, he was the number one most accurate expert last year and he's taking Isaiah Crowell over Sony Michelle it's boring production I guess I mean we'll talk about Isaiah Crowell later in the show <laughs> wow wow 
I don't even want to talk about him anymore. I'm so sick of Isaiah Crowell. Andy's on the show. We're supposed to fight the footballers about this, remember? Oh, that's right. You guys love Isaiah Crowell, don't you? Well, it's more me. I, I have a... <laughs> oh, no. It's not really the other two guys. I would never put that evil on them. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, we have, we've got the recency bias with Isaiah Crowell, all the disappointment from the high draft capital you spent on him last year. And sometimes we forget that he's, you know, he's still 25 years old and and there was a reason we were hyped about Isaiah Crowell. Obviously, he had a lot of big plays the season before, but Cleveland doesn't give you a lot of opportunity. Maybe New York doesn't give you a lot of opportunity to show off your talent. But I think the volume's going to be there with Isaiah Crowell. And I, to speak to Sony Michel, yeah, there's there's some concern. I mean, uh, he's had the injury concerns. Now you have right out of the gate a uh, disconcerting injury. We don't know the outcome of this. We have established players in that offense, players that they like. And um, we know that it doesn't take a massive amount of volume to produce an RB1 in that offense. That's the good thing. You know, Deion Lewis did it over the back half of the year, um, and he shared time, you know, with with Rex and with with James White. Um, but, you know, Sony also has a profi- you know an ability to put the ball on the ground. And that's a concern that I have as well, especially with Bill Belichick, is that, you know, he put the ball on the ground more than any, like per carry, more than any other collegiate running back which he's also similar to penny in the fact that the draft capital says they're going to be involved right i mean you spend a first round draft pick uh both of them are surprised by these head coaches and so you say the plan for them is to be heavily involved and it's just a matter of you know when does that happen are you happy with investing that pick on michelle or penny if you get value by week six by week eight you know what happens in that offense so there's still a lot to be known I think the Sonny Michelle ADP is going to be pretty volatile based on his activity, you know, in and soon after the um, the first couple of preseason games. Tags, that was a he made some pretty good points, man. Are, are you willing to draft Crowell at this point? Uh, I'm still I'm still not just because I <laughs> I, I think I'm not talking about at his ADP. I'm talking like if he lasted till the 15th round. Oh yeah, well I mean if he lasted there, he yeah uh, he because he he could fill like a spot where it's like if I have a bye week. Did you just say 15th round? You might take Isaiah Crowell. Yeah, I'd take him there. Oh what? Well, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I would rather. I'm not kidding. I would rather have Bilal Paul on my team. You've got to be kidding me. When Elijah Maguire was there, neither of us were willing to draft Powell. You would rather have Bilal Powell on your team than Isaiah Crowell. I think he's a better football player, and he's a better receiver. And the thing is, is like this is so this Jets team, the reason I don't love either of them, I'm not drafting either of them as a top 35 running back, but the reason I don't love them is because the offensive line is poor. Like, it, it's so bad. They have four of the five offensive linemen should be replaced. Um, you could argue that five of five should be because Beecham played over his head last year in, t- in terms of, and if he goes back into his, what his career norm is, he's going to be a below average left tackle. So you're essentially, you have an entire offensive line that's kind of useless. You have an offense that you don't project to be a top 15 scoring offense. So they're not going to have many shots at touchdowns. So what are you really getting with Crowell? It's kind of like a, a Chris Ivory situation without touchdowns, right? So hopefully you're getting 35, 40 receptions. Hopefully you're getting 220 plus carries. Uh, it's a volume play for sure. But I, I, your hot take of taking him over Mason Crosby though, is not impressing me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
I forgot uh, all about kickers. We haven't even mentioned kickers this entire preseason. We're not going to mention it. We were doing so good. What are we going to do? Say like, hey, we think this kicker might be better because of X. There's nothing there. No, It's just there isn't. a complete crapshoot. Eliminate kickers, guys. Don't don't play. Seriously, if your league has kickers, eliminate it at a flex spot. Have a good time. I'm really proud of our listeners, by the way, for not having asked any kicker questions. Yeah. Now it's probably going to roll in on Twitter. You've ruined You can it. send those to at Andy Holloway. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks a lot. All right, so uh, Andy, do you have a, a rookie that you're avoiding right now? Well, yeah, Rashad Penny and Sony Michelle. Those are the two. Okay, <laughs> those are the two big ones. No, you guys brought them up. Those are the big ones that I'm avoiding um, from an ADP value. You know, I I kind of like where the other guys are settling in. Um, you know, carry on's going around this the end of the sixth, seventh round. I'm happy with him. Obviously, you brought up Royce Freeman. He's around the fifth round. Um, I think the big one that I'd be interested to debate with you guys or or discuss, maybe a better word for it, is how do you feel about Ronald Jones? You brought up Ronald Jones and liking him more than Rashad Penny. Um, I think we have polarizing opinions on this show about Ronald Jones and what his real upside is because he's not a player that's proven himself in the passing game in college. He's struggled in pass protection thus far in camp. I don't think any of us are projecting him to catch uh, a high total um, out of the backfield. So then what is his upside? What do you think? Do you like him? Let me ask you, do you like him at 504 where he's, where he's going right now in PPR leagues? I'd prefer Royce Freeman. They're basically back-to-back right now. I'm not thinking like Peyton Barber is going to come steal touches or anything. I think that Ronald Jones has this job on lockdown, even though he has some weaknesses to his game, absolutely. But, I mean, Tampa, they almost led the league in receiving yards last year. They were top four in receiving yards. I think this offense is going to score plenty of touchdowns. Ronald Jones, you know, as much help as he needs in the passing game, he's going to get the opportunities to provide value in the fifth round. I think it's fair where he's going. I think he's going right where he should because there are some question marks. I don't think Peyton Barber is one of those question marks for me. I don't think they draft Ronald Jones at the top of the second round if they really believed in Peyton Barber. Guys, there's a reason Peyton Barber was just like a backup. They they literally had Peyton Barber on the roster the last two years while they're starting Doug Martin and Charles Sims who averaged, you know, sub 3.4 yards per carry. So This is one of the worst rushing teams last year. So that that's your endorsement for Peyton Barber. It was. It was. And that's the thing. He overperformed in terms of what, you know, was expected of him, you know, behind those guys. Um, but at the same time, when you draft a running back as high as the Bucks did here, they want him to be the starter. And if they are, in fact, a high scoring offense, if that happens, I mean, Ronald Jones did rush for 18 touchdowns or he scored 18 touchdowns last year. So he obviously had a role at USC. He played alongside Sam Darnold when Ryan Fitzpatrick's a really like a wild card here because Ryan Fitzpatrick has produced fantasy options in the past, but he's also looked really bad at times. So there's going to be some ups and downs. Charles Sims, it's rumored that he's on the roster bubble. If they if they do, in fact, cut Charles Sims. I feel so much more confident in Ronald Jones because that means he's coming around as a pass-catching option. Now, did we really think that Leonard Fournette was going to be a passing-down guy, that he was going to catch you know as many balls as he did last year? No, because he's still not known for his hands. He's not that guy. I think Ronald Jones is smoother than Leonard Fournette out of the backfield in terms of a pass-catcher. And I think he'll be fine. Like the thing is, I to me, I believe he has the starting job. I don't think Peyton Barber's a risk. I think Barber is a a five to eight carry per game guy, and they want Jones to carry the load. So I'll draft him as such. And you're not going to hear any beat writers saying that Peyton Barber is the guy. I know that the Bucks put out the depth chart, and it, it is what it is. They're making a rookie earn his stripes, and I understand that. That's what every team seems to do at this point. But beat reporters are saying that Ronald Jones is going to be the starter of this team. I'm with you, Mike. I had a really hard time answering this question, guys, because I'm looking at all the all the rookies and their ADPs. I love Barkley. 
You know, I like Sony Michelle still better that better than Consensus. I like Freeman. I like Jones. I like Geis. Yeah, I, lo- I love Geis. Calvin Ridley, um, his ADP is not bad. Uh, Pettis, Anthony Miller, the list goes on. DJ Moore, I'm not getting any shares of. It's really Penny and Penny and Sony are the two that are set apart, I think, from the ADP perspective, and both of them are dropping right now. So for me, the answer is on Johnson, not because I hate his value, but um, just because I, I don't think that he has all that much upside. You look at the Lions depth chart, it is an absolute mess. I think that uh, Patricia is going to go in there and he's going to do the same type of thing that they did in New England where it's just a split backfield situation between three or four guys. And I know that he's not exactly going to be in control of the offense, but Jim Bob Cooter's been doing the same thing there for a while. So I think Kerryon Johnson has a role. I don't think it's going to be flex-worthy, though. So maybe there's some injuries that happen, and Carrion Johnson's role opens up. But as of now, I think it's just kind of a disaster. Yeah, Carrion and Rashad Penny belong in the same conversation, as far as I'm concerned. I think there's question marks with both of them. I think both of them have breakout potential. Both of them can do work on all three downs. You know, you could argue that they're both part of top 10, potentially top 10 scoring offenses. So that's like an appeal. Uh, the Lions offensive line has gotten better over the years, and it's I'd consider it to be a top 15 offensive line. So... I think carry-on belongs in that conversation with Penny, but you're able to get carry-on much, much later right now. All right, guys, we're going to get on to players that you will regret drafting here in just a minute. But first, I want to talk about one of the sponsors of today's show, Vivid Seats. You can follow your fantasy team while you're at the game. The best place to follow your fantasy team on Sundays this year is at the stadium, cheering on your favorite team while keeping tabs on your fantasy team with the help of Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats can help get you tickets to watch your favorite NFL team at a great price. To make it even better, Vivid Seats is offering Fantasy Pros podcast listeners an exclusive discount. Enter the promo code FANTASYPROS, all one word, for 10% off your first ticket order with Vivid Seats. Go to VividSeats.com or download the app. Preseason and regular season tickets are available now. And nothing beats watching your favorite NFL team notch a victory while you dominate your opponent in fantasy. Be there in person with Vivid Seats and use the Fantasy Pros exclusive promo code FANTASYPROS to receive 10% off your first order. NFL, college football, concerts, and theater. Use Vivid Seats for all your favorite live events and enter the promo code FANTASYPROS, all one word. First-time customers only and offers good through the end of August. All right, guys, so uh, let's move on to these players that we think our listeners will regret drafting at their average draft position. Tags, will let you go first again. And by the way, we're not even going to talk about Deshaun Watson, even though he would clearly be number one for Tags and I. We talk about him just too much. If you really want to know why and haven't heard yet, tweet me at Bobby Fantasy Pro. I love talking about it, so I will definitely answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to mention Tyreek Hill either because we've talked about those guys at nauseam, and I don't want to do it anymore. Um, the first player I'll mention is Jay Ajayi. I think people are going to regret drafting him because they're drafting him inside. I think his ADP, the last I checked, was the RB18. And honestly, you basically need everything possible to go right for him. You need him to play 40 snaps a game. You're going to need him to um, improve in the touchdown department where he's kind of struggled over the last couple of years. Um, You're going to need him to – you need Darren Sproles to potentially be cut from the team. Uh, There's just so many things that line up with Jay Ajayi that are an issue with me in terms of Doug Peterson's offense. I have a profile on him coming out tomorrow, actually, uh, where I highlight all these issues in that – There's only been three players uh, who have had one game with more than 36 snaps under Doug Peterson in in a single game. And uh, Darren Sproles, obviously, he's the one that gets most of those because he's He's a he's a very versatile running back. JJ is not that guy. Um, I would be I have him on the verge of 200 carries. I think he's going to be right around that 200 to 210 carry mark. He would need to improve his efficiency. 
from last year because he got over 200 carries last year and didn't even finish as a top 24 running back. Um, Again, he's not going to be used very much in the passing game. They have Darren Sproles. They have Corey Clement, who a lot of people like as a, uh, uh, is like a sleeper this year. But the thing is with Ajayi, even if he finishes as an an RB24 territory, like as an RB2, you're paying RB18 price. So you're expecting him to be a middle of the road RB2. And on top of that, knowing that these snap counts are very low, he's going to be extremely inconsistent. So it could be one of those situations where, yeah, he finishes a top 24 running back, but you're not going to feel that way when he's on your roster. It's just too much. There's just too much in Doug Peterson's offense and the way he runs things for Ajayi to produce as the RB18. What do you think about that, Andy? Yeah, I've I've been uh, back and forth on Ajayi this offseason. I, I like the draft value. I mean, I like getting him in the fourth round. Um, I like the fact that his efficiency that you brought up, it was it was there when he was in Philadelphia. I mean, he, he ran for a great yards per carry. It's just a matter of volume. Does he get enough work in that offense, which look, the recipe for success for the Philadelphia Eagles last year was the kind of spreading the ball around. It was finding a, a ton of different weapons on a week to week basis. It was using Corey Clement in the passing game. It was using him in the goal line game, but I think Ajayi's production and efficiency in that offense, and you give him a great offensive line, right? Um, I still think that there's opportunity there. So I I guess I, I don't think you're going to regret him at 404 myself, but um, I can definitely see the points against drafting him. All right. Um, here's my first guy. It's Devin Funches. Uh, we've talked about this time and again. Cam Newton is not a good passer. Okay. He's, he's a very good fantasy player. I'm not saying don't draft him if he falls far enough, but he's not a very good passer. They've got Greg Olson. They've got Christian McCaffrey. They've got DJ Moore now. And they've got Devin Funches. He's going to be nowhere near as good as he was last year. He's he's not a marginal NFL talent, but he's not somebody that has to start on every team. Um, he, he's going to get some targets, but not enough. He's going to get a few touchdowns. But where he's going right now in drafts, I'm not a fan at all. I'm complete. I've got him 15 spots lower than ECR, which is expert consensus rankings. Um, Tags, I think you're low on Funches as well. Yeah, I'm not drafting. This, it's funny because if someone went back last year on this podcast and listened to our what our bold predictions were, I said that Devin Funches would outscore Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, so I actually thought that he was just as good, if not better, than Kelvin Benjamin, and that he needed more opportunity. With that being said, I am 100% with you. You are going to absolutely regret drafting Devin Funches this year. A lot of his production last year came once they traded Kelvin Benjamin, and then Greg Olson was out for the, the majority of the season. So Devin Funches, he's going to—he's a—he's a guy that needs targets to produce. And and when you're getting those targets from Cam Newton, you're going to need more than usual because a <laughs> lot of—I mean—he's going to complete 56% of his passes. That's just the quarterback that he is. So knowing that DJ Moore is has been added to the offense, it's not to say that he's going to replace Kelvin uh, Benjamin because Devin Funches is going to be the red zone guy. He's going to score touchdowns, but the reason you're going to regret him is because if he doesn't score a touchdown, you're going to be left staring at like 30 or 40 yards and it's going to be it's going to let down your team so you don't want to trust him outside of like a bye week filler in a good matchup where you expect cam newton to throw multiple touchdowns so yeah i'm with you on this one are you, are you with us andy i am yeah devin funches is was accidentally a, a wide receiver one for that offense last year and i i kind of not a, not a physical comp but the production comp for me is is back when kamar aiken had a breakout you know kind of second half in baltimore when they had no other options to throw to the the goal in Carolina is not, is not to load Devin Funches up with the targets. It's to use him in the red zone. Um, I, you know, he's a lot like Kelvin Benjamin in the fact that he's a, he's a big target. He's a tight end type of guy. Um, but yeah, you're going to regret drafting him if you're expecting wide receiver one or wide receiver two numbers, because 
They just have too many weapons. We saw the evolution of Christian McCaffrey over the second half of the season as a pass catcher. We have DJ Moore, who's a much more athletic, um, more prototypical wideout. And then, like you said, Greg Olson returns, and he's always been a favorite of Cam Newton. So I'm 100% on board with that. Uh, we haven't even talked about Funchess very much because I think he's just fading into where he belongs, which is kind of the you know third or fourth target on that offense. All right, Andy, who's your first player that you think our listeners are going to regret drafting? You know, I, it's, it's a polarizing name, but it's Kenyon Drake for me. Kenyon Drake in Miami, I know he was electric last season, but it was a result, again, of, you know, you traded Jay Ajayi, and then they put Damian Williams into that spot, and Damian Williams was hurt, and then Drake took advantage of it. But Adam Gase, we've seen this this story before. There's a veteran loyalty that comes in the NFL, and you bring in and you pursue Frank Gore, who will come in and is now listed as the co-starter. And I am, you know, we're out here in Phoenix. We had a, a chance to see a lot of Kalen Balazs at Arizona State, while he has holes to his game, he's a very upright runner. He's not a, a lateral mover. He is an electric runner, and he he can threaten at the goal line. I think Kalen Balaj, the investment in the uh, draft pick there, it's just a mess. I mean, this is not an offense that I have a bunch of optimism about. So when you give Kenyon Drake uh, a smaller carry total than he had last year, I think it's going to be a little bit hit and miss with him. And I, I think he's he's a good player. He's a better player than someone like Marlon Mack, who I think people talk about in a, a similar category of kind of de facto starter. But I, I personally think that Frank Gore is going to get more work than we than Drake owners will hope he gets. And then I think Kalen Balazs is a threat in the red zone. So I think Kenyon Drake is somebody that when I look at all the other names around him, I'd rather have Alex Collins. I'd rather have Jay Ajayi. I'd rather have uh, Lamar Miller. Uh, as annoying as that is, and I'd rather have uh, Ronald Jones. So I, Kenyon Drake is somebody I'm gonna, re- I would regret drafting. He was solid last year, but here's the thing: like, what would you take over or under 3.5 wins for the Dolphins this year, Tags? Um, I think I'm going under. I'll go over 3.3. Is really low. Um, I know it is, but they are the worst team in the NFL. Their defense has gotten better in the secondary. Um, the addition that that they made with Mika Fitzpatrick, I think, helps as well. Uh, he's a very versatile defender. Um, they did lose. They did lose some players in the front seven. They lost some offensive line, but they added Josh. Sitton. I don't know. It's a weird team, man. I think Adam Gase gets fired relatively soon, so things are going to change there really quick. And that's the reason that I'm not totally off. Uh, Kenyon Drake, I, 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 I'm with you, Andy, in the fact that when you when you bring in someone like Frank Gore, you don't bring him in as a, a 30, you know, 42 year old veteran, whatever he is. Uh, you don't bring him in to just sit on the bench and, and be a rah rah guy. Like that's the thing. So I always thought that he would have a role, but I always thought talent would win here. It's like you remember when Arian Foster was with the Dolphins, right? And he he ended up retiring because he he had dealt with some injuries, and then they slowly went to to Jay Ajayi a little bit more, and he just decided to retire. Do I think that happens with Gore? No, I just I, I think that he's a player. He's just too durable for that to happen. But the, the issue is that Kenyon Drake is really talented, and I don't know how Adam Gase doesn't see this. And if, if Frank Gore was really a threat to ca- carry most of the load, they would have listed Frank Gore as the actual starter instead of the co-starter with Kenyon Drake. So I still think it's Drake's backfield, but unfortunately it, it is risky drafting him there, knowing that there's so many running backs. Balaj, I'm not too worried about. I think he's more of a developmental player, um, and Drake proved that he can carry the ball in the goal line last year. So I... It's really tough. I mean, I'm not against this one, but I'm also I'm not against drafting Kenyon Drake if he falls, you know, past the guys like you mentioned, like like the Ronald Jones, the Lamar Millers. I'm comfortable drafting him 
around the guy like a Royce Freeman, like a Deion Lewis. That's the territory I think he belongs in. All right, Tags, what's your next one, man? All right, next one is Adam Thielen. Um, guys, Ooh-wee. I don't know. He's my number two. Please don't draft him as the number 11 receiver. Like, just don't do it. Because, you know, he saw 143 targets last year. I don't think many people realize how many targets that actually is. Like, he was stacked targets among targets among targets. And despite seeing that volume, he finished as a wide receiver three or better just 56% of the time. Golden Tate performed as a wide receiver or better just as many times as Adam Thielen did. But Golden Tate is going multiple rounds later than Adam Thielen. If we're expecting Stefan Diggs to take a leap in his career, which I do, I think Stefan Diggs is an extremely talented top five route runner in the game. I can't wait to see him with Kirk Cousins. I can't wait to see him get more volume. And if you're giving him more volume, you're taking it away from Adam Thielen because there's no two teammates in the NFL last year. I've mentioned this stat multiple times. It's because it's very, very hard to do uh, with target share. There were no two teammates last year at wide receiver who totaled 110 targets apiece. There were not two wide receivers who did that so are you going to tell me that the guy that they just made rich Stefan Diggs they're not going to give him 110 targets and they're going to give him to Adam Thielen again Thielen succeeded under Pat Shermer Pat Shermer runs such a good offense he utilizes the slot receiver and that's the role that Adam Thielen played last year if you go back before Pat Shermer was the offensive coordinator when Norv Turner was there Adam Thielen was not a household name Pat Shermer's gone It's a different offense. Stephon Diggs is talented. They're working with a new quarterback. Kirk Cousins is not a game manager like Case Keenum is. It's either going to stretch the field. Stephon Diggs is the wide receiver you want in Minnesota. Stop drafting Adam Thielen over him. Diggs was better in points per game last year, too. He just wasn't healthy. I just moved Stephon Diggs into my top 10 with the Doug Baldwin injury news, and I've got Thielen down at wide receiver 20, so this isn't an even even close to me. Thielen's definitely one of the top two or three players to fade in my mind. Where are you at on Adam Thielen, Andy? Are you are you are you with us here on our Stefan Diggs love and our Thielen fade? I understand, I I understand and buy into all of the argument there because the target total was very very high. I I think Adam Thielen's a great player. That would be the one, you know, if that can be an overarching counterpoint. I think Adam Thielen is a great player. I think we saw it at the end of 2016 and then throughout 2017. So he he's reliable, and that you brought it up briefly. Stefan Diggs has has yet to put forth a healthy full season. So that that would be the concern behind Diggs. I do believe what you said is accurate. I think he's a top five route runner. I think he has Antonio Brown chops when it comes to progressing as a player. And they just paid him. Obviously, they paid Thielen the year before. Um, this is a great combination. And I think you're regardless of who you pick, right, like the better ADP values, Stephon Diggs, regardless of who you pick, you're going to have weeks where you're like, man, I wish I had the other guy. So um, I probably... I'm not fading him as as severely as both of you guys are, but uh, I see the argument behind it because the target total supplied him with that value last year. Yeah, and that's that's my point on the whole thing is that even with those 143 targets, he finishes the wide receiver 10 in half PPR league. So it's like you're drafting him exactly where he went last year and not not taking back away any of that volume at all. And keep in mind, too, Adam Thielen, while we talk about Stephon Diggs as an injury risk, Adam Thielen missed games down or not missed games. He actually was limited. If you guys recall through practice and games, his, his production tallied off at the end of the year because of a back injury. Backs don't get better. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like he finishes the number 10 receiver with that injury and with low touchdown. So I understand the argument for him. I just think there's only so many balls to go around. Cousins loves passing a tight end. So they've got a good one there. Dalvin cooks healthy for the whole season. Then you've got Stefan Diggs, who I think is going to be a superstar. All right, Andy, let's move on to your second one, man. Who do you have? 
Uh, you know what? I just have a sneaking suspicion you guys might be on the same page as me here, but it's Derrick Henry that yeah, baby, <laughs> that average draft, <laughs> that average draft position. Uh, you know, I just am not comfortable with it. Uh, Derrick Henry had a way of putting up production on the last three or four carries of the game last year. He had a couple of uh, you know garbage time fourth quarter breakaway runs that distorted some of his metrics. Deion Lewis is a very, very good player. And, and look, Derrick Henry can prove me wrong uh, really quickly, and he can do it by scoring 12 to 15 touchdowns somehow this year. You know, this offense was a t- an offense that wasn't very good last year. Marcus Mariota had a, a regression. Uh, they they had a uh, an old-timer at head coach that just wasn't innovative and wasn't putting him in, in a position to succeed. And, and if they're down around the goal line, I have no illusions that Derrick Henry's going to get those opportunities. But I think if he's not in the end zone, you might be disappointed from time to time with Derrick Henry, and people are drafting him. Look, he, he's going similarly to somebody like Darius Geis. <laughs> that is so stupid. The <laughs> skill set of Darius Geis is just one that that I salivate about, and Derrick Henry has has had issues. He's he's this big body that has been stuffed on third and fourth down too often for my liking, and and you know you can kind of bend the argument either direction on Derrick Henry based on on what you look up and, and and the argument you want to make, but I just am uncomfortable with him where he's going. If you told me he was going at 408 around Lamar Miller, okay, now I'm thinking differently. If you told me he was going at the top of the fifth round around Royce Freeman, I'm thinking differently. But for some reason, Derrick Henry's going, you know, in that third round, uh, sometimes at the top of the third round. I'm uncomfortable there. What do you guys think? I, even if he was available in the fifth round, I don't know if I would take him. Really? Right? I mean, De- Deion Lewis is there. And Deion Lewis is a lot better than DeMarco Murray. They brought in Deion Lewis for a reason. He was a top 12 running back last season, splitting the backfield with a bunch of guys. I think that they brought him in. Deion Lewis is the lead guy. Uh, Derrick Henry is still going to have his role he had last year. But he was drafted, what, 80th, 70th last year? And that was a big-time reach based on his production that he provided. So I understand the hype about Henry after what he did in the in the playoffs. But there's a reason they brought in Deion Lewis I'm not touching him in the fifth round. Well, here's to be fair. He had one good game in the playoffs. Down the stretch, actually, I I wrote a profile on Derrick Henry. It'll be up probably next week. He had one good game in the playoffs, and people are sticking to that, thinking that he had a great end of the season, and that's what the... And they were down 20 points, so it's not like they were trying to stop the run. But if you look at his numbers over the final, I think it was the final eight weeks of the season, they were not very good. So Derrick Henry, here's the issue with him. He is being drafted too high. Do I think the upside's there? I do. I I actually think that he's one of those, the rare one-two down backs that can break long runs of 80 yards, because He's a freak athlete. He could break tackles enough to get into the open field. The issue is drafting him as high as he is. You know, he's going as high. So I think uh, Fantasy Football Calculator is the one that best captures, you know, how the public feels about him. And he's going 26th overall. That's stupid. Like, there is no reason that Derrick Henry should be in the third round right now with the fact they signed Deion Lewis. The reason I have real concerns about Derrick Henry, he's starting. They've already said this. They've already come out and said that Derrick Henry is our starter. It's obviously going to be mixed, but he is starting. So he has our, he's, he's definitely gotten a bigger role than he had last year. But if you talk about Matt LaFleur, the new offensive coordinator there, he comes from L.A., and Todd McVay, or Sean McVay out there, obviously he learned from him. LaFleur was not calling the plays, so we have no idea if he's going to take after McVay, but but that's who he came from under. It's like the Andy Reid coaching tree, right? So they used Todd Gurley in a, in a single back role. Now, you could argue that there weren't any other running backs in the roster to use, but Deion Lewis is the more complete running back in terms of what he can do in pass protection, in terms of what he can do uh, in the passing game. Are Is the Tennessee defense improved enough 
where the Titans are not going to be coming from behind very much anymore. That's where it comes down to Derrick Henry. I think so. I think the Titans are winning this division. I said that last show. They're not beating the Jags. But, so, Henry, I like him enough to draft him, but he has to fall. You cannot draft him as high as he's going right now. If you force me to choose between him, Jay Ajayi, and Rashad Penny, I'll take Derrick Henry. But, again, I'm not drafting him over the guys like Darius Geis, like, like, um... Alex Collins, he's going over right now. That's that you shouldn't be doing that stuff. No, I'm with you. And actually, Andy Snipe, my guy. So we're just going to move on to tags for number three. That's exactly who I was going to say. I guess uh, Andy is very smart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So mine is uh, Will Fuller. This is this is my next guy too. You turds, guys. Uh, we talk too much, Bobby. But Will Fuller, like, what are we doing here? He's going over Chris Hogan in drafts right now. Do you, re- you guys realize that Chris Hogan's Tom Brady's number one target, right? Like, you guys understand that. For the first four weeks, it's like a guarantee. And then it- well, Deshaun Watson's better than Tom Brady. Don't you know, Tex? Oh, obviously. Duh. <laughs> uh, but, but, but Chris Hogan, like, seriously, even if you go and look when Brandon Cooks was on the field last year, Chris Hogan was the red zone guy. Like, he has a connection with Tom Brady. And now, this is now his third year in the offense. He's healthy. There's no issues here. Julian Edelman's 32 years old, coming back from a torn ACL, was on roids. There's just so many things wrong with that they cut Jordan Matthews I know they brought in Eric Decker but he's a very short time to learn that offense some people are saying that he might not even make the roster again Chris Hogan's upside is so far greater than Will Fuller's guys and Will Fuller by the way the touchdown rate was was stupid last year but he was only a wide receiver too in 40% of his games like people are drafting this guy as if he's going to be an every week wide receiver three and that he gives them you know wide receiver one upside certain weeks I'm not with that. There's regression with Deshaun Watson. There's regression with DeAndre Hopkins. And there's definitely regression for Will Fuller, who put on 15 pounds this offseason for whatever reason. Um, It just makes no sense. Do not draft Will Fuller where he's being drafted as the wide receiver, 29 off the board. You You will be regretting it all year long. Andy, I didn't hear the little like agreements in your voice. So I'm really nervous that you're one of these people telling people to draft Will Fuller. Is that true? It's not true. It's not yes. true. I, look, the thing is, is uh, I've always had a problem. This is something that that you know we all have tendencies as fantasy football uh, managers. My tendency and my problem has been a willingness to draft somebody that I view as the wide receiver two or wide receiver three and find fantasy value in them. It's always been a problem for me, and it's hurt me before. You know, you go back to Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker days in in. Uh, New York, uh, you know, Eric Decker was reliable. Eric Decker scored a touchdown every week, and he made me look stupid not wanting to go in on a wide receiver, too. I think other situations like that around the league now, you look at players like Juju Smith-Schuster in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, there are wide receiver twos. Uh, we just talked about Thielen and Diggs, whomever you decide is the wide receiver, too. Uh, I, I love upside, right? I love the idea that, you know, you draft a Corey Davis and he becomes this prototypical wide receiver one Will Fuller is not supplanting DeAndre Hopkins. And there are other weapons in that offense. And so uh, Will Fuller is going to be a boomer bust type of player. That's that's the facts. And and look, he's going to boom. He's going to look really, really good from time to time. He is a good player. Um, you know, we talk so much about regression. We talk so much about unsustainable metrics, the stuff that Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz did last year on their touchdown ratios and things like that. But at the end of the day, yes, they'll regress a little bit, but it's still you still have to give players credit. And Will Fuller went out there, and he was exceptionally uh, impressive. He he was a down-the-field guy. Deshaun Watson gets outside of the pocket, and Will Fuller has a way of being open. And so he'll have his weeks, but I'm not 
happy with the draft position because I think everybody's buying into the hype, and unfortunately, it's it's raising that too high. Tags, you talked about uh, Will Fuller's going to have regression. He already did last season. He played six games after Deshaun Watson got hurt, and I understand the backup was not the same as as Deshaun Watson, but tell me anybody else going in Will Fuller's range who would have a six-game period like this. He scored 14.4 fantasy points. That's 2.4 per game. Here's a couple guys who finished with more points per game than Will Fuller in at least six games in that time range. Jarius Wright, Benny Fowler, Michael Campanero, Bryce Butler, Bobo Wilson, Maurice <laughs> Harris. Do you guys know who these people are? I think you made Johnny up a few. Holton. I do. I do. He's that Johnny Holton's a Raiders receiver. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that Will Fuller is as bad as those guys. But here, hold on. What's the difference between Will Fuller and Calvin Ridley? Calvin Ridley's a better receiver. Calvin Ridley has uh, has Sanu to to compete with, but he's a better receiver. I, I guess Fuller has QT and like so Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson. I mean, are we all of a sudden saying that Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Matt Ryan? I I, I don't. Everybody except for me and you is tags. <laughs> That's what we have to realize. He's the number two fantasy receiver off the board. The quarterback, yeah. I uh, yeah, he's not. A, he's not a receiver. <laughs> but no, I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm just I'm just saying. Don't draft Will. I would rather take Devontae Parker than Will Fuller. Hundred percent. Oh, really? Really? No doubt about it. Follow the targets, man. Follow the targets and you will be rewarded. Devontae Parker is talented. I mean, granted, the quarterback situation is not great. The team's not great, but um, follow the targets at wide receiver. It's kind of like the whole Isaiah Crowell uh, argument for wide receivers. But the thing is, Devontae Parker is actually really good. And I think people have forgotten that. I think people have started to hate him because of Jarvis Landry's insane target share and his last 16 games with Tannehill, he was a, a wide receiver too. Well, with Fuller, Fuller was the seventh best wide receiver, the sixth best, 17th, and third during that four-week Deshaun Watson span. So that's the attraction, right? You're not talking about a player that just contributes. You're talking about a weak winner for that four-game span. So that's why his ADP is so high. Um, I don't think any of us are under the illusion that under any circumstance, Kelvin Ridley is going to give you a four-week stretch inside the top seven. You know what I mean? So, I mean, Keelan Cole did. Keelan Cole was the number two fantasy receiver for a five-week period. These these things happen to mediocre receivers. Yeah, you guys are not in on the talent of Will Fuller, clearly. Yeah, that that I think that's what it comes down to. I'm just, I don't think he's a bad player by any means. I just think that he's a guy. I, I mean, I, I think John Ross has more talent. I think John Ross is going to get every bit as much of an opportunity. So I, where do you, where do you have Will Fuller tags? I've got him outside my top 50. Uh, Will Fuller is currently sitting. Holy geez. Um, I didn't realize I had him down at wide receiver 55, but I do. Yeah, I've got him. I've got him 54 behind John Ross, Ryan Grant, Chris Godwin. He's at 53 for me, so we can... Uh, oh, okay, so we all agree. We could hold hands and hate him. He's being drafted. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's being drafted <laughs> as awesome. the wide receiver 29 guy. So it's like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, if you say that he's going fin- to finish better than I have him, that's fine. I could be wrong on that, but th- there's no way in hell he's going to be an every week wide receiver three that he's being drafted as. Yeah, it's really telling, by the way. His ADP, consensus ADP across all the sites, 29th. His ECR, which is expert consensus rankings across all the experts, 39th. So I think that uh, that is pretty telling, right? I mean, he's being drafted ahead of Sammy Watkins. He's being drafted ahead of Robert Woods, Randall Cobb. He made some really good impressions for four weeks. That's the thing is you've got very good memories of, oh, man, where did I get this wide receiver one out of nowhere for four weeks? That's what it was. All right. You're next again, Andy. And if you snipe my guy for the third straight time that I get sniped, you know, I was going to be mean, but, like, I would clap. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> so another regret. Man, it, it's hard to throw a name 
like this other. I, is Alshon Jeffrey regret in the fifth round? Oh yeah, I didn't write him down. But if I would have, if I would have put six or seven guys, Jeffrey definitely would be on my list. Yeah, I mean, there's a touchdown dependency. They thread the ball around there. Um, you obviously have the regression potential for Carson Wentz on a on a per pass basis. So I'm not excited. Like I don't think I've ever drafted Alshon Jeffrey in any mock or any any draft I've done this off season. So he must be somewhere in my psyche as a player that I'm I'm hesitant about um so I, i'll bring his name up because it, it just wasn't a high a high reception total so whenever i have a player like that i don't want to slot them in like if i have him as a wide receiver too i guess i'm okay with alshon jeffrey but i have players around that range like i'd rather have jarvis landry i'd rather have brandon cooks i'd rather have Allen robinson or marvin jones than i would alshon jeffrey yeah yeah I'm with you. I mean, I talked about how few yards Alshon Jeffrey had in the season. Sorry, I, I'm going to throw in one more name because it just jumped out at me. I I am very out on Michael Crabtree. I don't know how you guys feel about Michael Crabtree, but I am very out on Michael Crabtree this year. He's 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 one of the only untouchable players that I, you know, when he's sitting around there, I don't know how late he'd have to drop for me to want him. I don't really have any shares of Michael Crabtree, but I haven't really heard anyone talk about him, like excited or or not interested. So I kind of feel similarly to him and Elshon Jeffrey, to be honest with you, where, where it's like where it's like I feel like they're guys that are going to end up finishing as top thirty receivers, but I don't want to draft them. Like I don't want to draft Alshon as a low end wide receiver too, because I just I'm worried he's one of two wide receivers last year who finished top twenty four or top twenty eight with less than 800 yards receiving. Granted, people are telling me that he was hurt. Guys, if he was really that hurt, he's not going over Aqib to leap for touchdowns and stuff. So he was okay. He he really did have a torn rotator cuff though, man. That's real. I'm also from Chicago, so where I got to watch Alshon Jeffrey nurse his hamstring injuries and not play through those. So uh, there's 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 a bit of a twist here and, and players can let on that an injury affected them more than it should have. Alshon Jeffrey was the player he's always been last year. He's not he's not going to be a possession style wide receiver. He's not going to give you a high catch rate, but he will go over defenders. He's one of the best red zone receivers in the game. He could stretch a field. But again, I, I don't feel great about him. My, my series on wide receivers said that Marquise Lee was essentially the exact same wide receiver that Alshon Jeffrey was with a little less upside, legitimately, like one game less upside. But he's being drafted like five rounds later, maybe, maybe even seven rounds later in some leagues. I mean, Nelson Aguilar was almost as good as Alshon Jeffrey, right? There wasn't much of a difference. The, the difference is Alshon Jeffrey is your more prototypical number one receiver. Yeah. I don't think he keeps it up this year. Remember, this is somebody who's had so many soft tissue issues. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he plays eight games. Yeah, it's been a concern for Jeffrey for a while, and he's not. They don't need him to be a high reception guy to contribute to you know their title defense here. And and to Michael Crabtree, look, he he's not as old as as some, but he's entering his ninth season. And if I have to hear about you know. The potential, look, if he doesn't score touchdowns, you're going to be really, really disappointed in Michael Crabtree. Last year, he had 44 fewer targets, 31 fewer receptions, 400 fewer yards. But it wasn't just like those totals where he was phased out. It was the catch percentage dropped. The yards per reception dropped. He was seventh in the league in drops as a wideout. And so I just don't understand when the last time Joe Flacco was a boon for a fantasy wide receiver. I mean, uh, Jeremy Macklin, I heard so much about Jeremy Macklin and, and heading to Baltimore, and oh my goodness, here it comes. It's it's not going to happen for Michael Crabtree, for me at least. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad call whatsoever. I was going to point out that Alshon Jeffrey, he only had, what was it, 821 receiving yards. He played all 16 games. Keelan Cole started five games, and in those five games he had 475 receiving yards. It's like... 
<laughs> he's like right up there with him. And Keelan Cole's going 15 rounds later. You need to give up on the Keelan Cole love? No, dude. <laughs> Keelan Cole's happening. Keelan Cole is happening. And every time that I talk about Keelan Cole, I get a bunch of tweets saying, I'm going to kill you if you keep raising his ADP. <laughs> people, are mad, people are mad about it. They want Keelan Cole. Draft Mark Easley instead. You'll be happy. Okay, we'll see about that. We need to have a, we need to have a bet on this for, for sure. sure. My guy was not sniped, so I'm going to go ahead uh, with my next one. It's Pierre Garçon. And this is somebody that I was actually high on earlier in the season, but earlier in the preseason, that is. But the more that I look at Dante Pettis running his routes, Marquis Goodwin going up and catching balls, and seeing what he did at the end of the season, I just think Pierre Garçon is kind of a pipe dream at this point. Yeah, it happened with Kyle Shanahan, what, four or five years ago? He's a lot older now. He dealt with an injury last season. Maybe it'll happen again because of his old age. It just did his ADP. He's being drafted in the top 80. I'm not buying it. Like He might end up being the best receiver on this team, but I think it's a real three-headed monster. And you've got George Kittle in there. Jarek McKinnon's going to catch passes. I just don't think Garçon's going to have the type of season where you want to start him every week. I'm starting to bend that way myself to jump in here. I, I, uh, we're not super high on Jimmy Garoppolo uh, having the kind of year that people expect from him. And so if you, if you are distributing the ball you know, to a number of different players and you haven't seen Garoppolo and Garcon yet, it, it is a little bit of a concern. You've got the age. You know, Jimmy G took the world by storm last year, but teams will be more prepared for him. And Kyle Shanahan has a tendency to lean on the run around the goal line. Pierre Garçon's never been a touchdown guy, no matter what he's doing. He has to be a high target volume guy. So I as much as I I like Pierre Garçon and I think he's valuable to the team, I'm not sure fantasy owners will be happy on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like the opposite of Will Fuller, like the polar opposite, where where it's like he's going to give you a semi-decent floor. I believe that Garcon is going to have a role there. Uh, Sh- Shanahan knows him. And before he went was hurt last year, he was on pace for over 120 targets. Granted, the team has changed around him. He's not going to have, you know, wide receiver two upside. I think that he's like a wide receiver four. That I mean, you, he's fine. If you need a low, like a high floor guy, that's fine. He's not going to win your league. He's not going to lose it. Uh, but some players who are going after him, who should be going before him, Cooper Cup, I would take over Garcon. I'd take Marquise Goodwin over him, Randall Cobb, Jamison Crowder. Those are those are Devontae Parker. Those are all guys I would take over him because. I mean, you, you kind of know what you're getting with Garcon. Take the unknown. Like, try and win your league. Stop trying to win fourth place. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I've got one more name, Chags. We'll uh, give you another name. Andy, do you have any others you want to say? I don't have any other uh, players jumping out right now, so let's hear Mike's. Yeah, the last one I, the last one I wanted to mention was just uh, Jimmy Graham, Evan Ingram. I, I kind of put them as a duo. <laughs> that's who I was going to say. Oh, man. <laughs> it's just based on where they're being drafted is all. I don't think that Evan Ingram is going to be a complete bust where it's like he's never going to produce and he's bad. It, that's not the case. He's being drafted as the top, a top five tight end, which was exactly how he finished last year without Odell Beckham there without Brandon Marshall there without uh, Sterling Shepard being healthy without Saquon Barkley there's just so many issues here don't draft Evan Ingram as a top five tight end you will regret that and and Jimmy Graham first year with Aaron Rodgers players if you go through Aaron Rodgers history players in their first year in his offense just don't do that well because Aaron Rodgers is a very timing based quarterback he's got to get a feel for you and Jimmy Graham's just not a very good player anymore guys he's going from Russell Wilson and Drew Brees to Aaron Rodgers. So um, as much as we, th- we talk about Aaron Rodgers being the greatest, 
it doesn't matter because he's played with elite quarterbacks his entire career. And last year, elite quarterbacks who love tight ends. Yeah. And last year he didn't have a game over. What was it? 72 yards. Like Jimmy Graham's just not the player that people remember him to be. And I understand them wanting to, he's essentially a big wide receiver. That's 33 years old. So he's going to have a decline. He's going to catch some touchdowns, but the majority of the time he's going to disappoint. And the fact that you guys are drafting him as a tight end four is going to make you really regret that. He's the tight end four over Greg Olson. Olson six. I mean, I'm not excited about Greg Olson, but I had no idea people were taking him that high. I've got Jimmy Graham 14, man. I'd rather have Delaney Walker, Kyle Rudolph, Jordan Reed, or Trey Burton over them. Yeah, give me give me even George Kittle over him. My Jimmy Graham take is very similar to the movie Liar Liar, where Jim Carrey is attempting to say that the pin is... <laughs> the color of the pen is blue. Yeah, <laughs> and because I feel like there, there's nothing in my soul that wants to tell you that Jimmy Graham is going to be a fantasy value or or featured player this year and yet i i gotta be honest with you i think it's gonna happen and it's gonna happen against my will <laughs> it's gonna happen against it's gonna go against what my eyes know about where he's at physically as a player anymore but the thing is is aaron Rodgers is going to get his aaron Rodgers always gets his randall cobb is banged up and hurt uh, Devonte Adams is great, but he's what he's not catching all thirty-five pa- touchdown passes from Aaron Rodgers. I just they paid Jimmy, they brought him in, and we have a very unsettled pass catching situation outside of Devonte Adams. And until I see that Randall Cobb's healthy, until Geronimo Allison's news is less sketchy, until Jamon Moore or Equinemia St. Brown emerges with the trust of Aaron Rodgers. I think I think we're going to act. My take is that we're going to accidentally see Jimmy Graham be relevant again, and nobody's going to be happy about it. From <laughs> because all the all the analysts are one hundred percent right, and you're going to be a hundred percent right and yet a hundred percent wrong. That's my take. Is I think we're going to end up with a, a twelve thirteen touchdown Jimmy Graham and go, dang it, you know, dang it, he, Aaron Rodgers did this to us. That that's where I'm at. <laughs> Jimmy Graham's doubtful for Thursday's preseason game with a knee injury, Ooh. the same one that. Didn't force him to miss time last year, but he was banged up last year. Well, I'll, I'll give you that, Bobby. If he doesn't play, I'm uh, that prediction is going to prove incorrect. <laughs> and that's that's why I've got him a lot yeah. lower. He's kind of like Tyler Eifert to me. Not as extreme as Tyler Eifert, but I'm projecting that Jimmy Graham will miss some time. He's just had too many significant injuries. Can he move fast enough to get hurt anymore is the real question. <laughs> I, I used to play in a flag football league years ago, and uh, – you know, it was a, a bunch of old white guys, and then we'd, we'd recruit a couple of younger kids, and they'd come play with us, and they were the only ones that would get hurt because in the open field, they were too fast for their own good. They, uh, we had a guy tear his ACL. He was uh, cutting. I was never in fear of tearing my ACL. I could never move fast enough to do it. <laughs> well, by the way, I think we may have mentioned this before, but instead of fighting, I mean, because we like you guys, just because you're wrong about Isaiah Crowell doesn't mean we need to fight. We just need to play flag football. We'll go three and three. I don't know who we're going to get. Maybe Dan Harris. Maybe we can get Blaine since he looks like Ryan Tannehill. What do you think, Tex? Who should be our number three? You can get whoever you want. Bring it. All right. We will take Calvin Johnson out of retirement. Not anybody you want. I changed, I changed what I said. But you can have Jimmy Graham. How about that? Oh, I don't want him. Don't want him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we really need to make this happen. Like, I don't know if we're ever going to be at the same event together or if we'll just have to, like, ride our bikes out to Arizona tags. But this needs <laughs> this needs to go down. It needs to be on ESPN. Everybody drafting us to their DFS team, stuff like that. Yeah, it would be a good time, man, for sure. Yeah. They're probably going to quit, though. They're probably going to say, nah, I don't think we can do it after they see the combine that comes out here next week. 
Oh, oh snap. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, guys, that's all for today's show. Andy, as always, it's a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to join us. I know that you guys are super busy in August, too. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. Fun talking. Thanks to the sponsors of today's show, FleaFlicker.com. Go to FleaFlicker.com slash pros and discover why thousands of leagues have switched this season. That's F-L-E-A, Flicker.com slash pros. And VividSeats.com. If you enter the promo code FANTASYPROS, all one word, you can get 10% off your first ticket order at Vivid Seats. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.